Welcome everyone to the Asian Voices Youth Radio Podcast, where we discuss all things related to life growing up as an Asian and Pacific Islander Americans. I'm your host, Jocelyn Thong, and our special guest joining us today is Howard Shao. By day, he's a Principal Partnerships Manager for a Global Digital Partnerships at Visa, but at night, he's an award-winning poet, speaker, and content creator with a growing social media presence. Hello, Howard, and welcome to the show. How are you today, man? Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm doing well. That's good to hear. Uh, So I'm going to ask you something that we ask almost everybody, but we do insist that you tell us a little bit about yourself. How was your life growing up as an Asian American? Yeah, so just quick background on myself. My parents immigrated to the U.S. from China maybe 30 years ago, and I was born in Michigan, grew up there until I was three, and then we moved to the San Francisco Bay Area and have been there ever ever since. And I think for my story as an Asian American, it's very similar to a lot of Asian American stories. I think being in a necessarily a school, for instance, that maybe didn't have as many Asians, or in some instances had Asians, but everybody was stereotyped <laughs> or typecast into one bucket, right? Of yeah. you know, oh, not good at sports, not cool, nerdy, you know, those types of things. Loves anime, all that stuff. Loves anime, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're just kind of typecast, right? And uh, mm-hmm. you you don't really have any you know other ways to get around it. Um, so I think. There's a little bit of that. And um, obviously, like growing up Asian American had its challenges. It, it means especially and, and specifically having parents that immigrated from a different country. That, that was a whole different layer yeah. of challenges. Right. Because I think like being second generation means that your parents are going to tell you how the American culture works. Right. So when you go back home at night, you're exposed to again, basically back to Chinese culture and not to American culture. And so things that should be obvious to most American kids are not obvious to us, right? Things like, you know, what TV shows are, are good to watch or or what brands are good to wear and <laughs> how you should approach making friends in American society versus, you know, being in China. Like, you know, and potentially like in China, it's like a good thing to be good at academics, maybe. And yeah. in America, it's like the complete opposite. It's like, oh, you're a nerd, you're weird. I don't want to talk to you, right? Um, so there's a lot of those kinds of small things that I think people don't really, outside of the Asian American community, don't really think about a lot, um, unless they've had immigrant parents themselves that you know um, haven't really grown up here. Yeah, no, I. you saying that kind of just really hit me like you're right like going to school was kind of a different experience because it was a very heavily american culture you know you're with a bunch of other people just like you i didn't grow up in a very asian populated uh town yeah so i get what you mean especially when coming back home and then you see that there's such a difference yeah you know yeah uh i think by by that standard asian american challenge that you said that a lot of us experience you, you you basically mean that we're growing up in an environment where we're kind of having to live in both worlds and we're not yeah. really knowing how to balance bridge the gap. Yeah. Yeah. You it's know, really because it's, yeah. it's like, you know, this is my home. I'm supposed to be acting how my family is acting, how my family behaves, how they think and all that stuff. But yeah, totally. how do you do that? But also survive in a world where unfortunately we kind of get picked on for mm. living up to those kind of beliefs. It's really hard. 
Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think, I mean, also just to clarify for people who are listening, it's like, you know, when, uh, when I first came to the Bay Area, right, uh, I was in Richmond and then Hayward. I, I moved across various cities and mm-hmm. towns in the Bay Area. So uh, for those that know the Bay Area, they're like, oh, you like, <laughs> you know, grew up in the Bay Area. So like, there should be like tons of Asians around you. But uh, funny enough, like there are a lot of pockets and basically micro pockets where schools don't have as many Asians. And it's just seen as more of a minority. That's one thing. But then secondly, even if you, like I was saying earlier, even if you get into a school that is Asian, like, you're still the bottom of the totem pole. It didn't matter that there were more Asians there. Like you're still like, you know, the kids that want to bully other kids are going to bully the Asian kid first because they feel like they're the easiest to pick on. And it also didn't help that I was kind of brought into a grade that was, that that was higher. I kind of like moved forward in my (laughs) academic journey because I skipped a grade because (laughs) I was, because I was, my birthday's in November and mm-hmm. I'm right at the cutoff for the school year. So my parents decided to put me in the higher grade, which it's just not a great, it's like I'm already short, I'm already skinny. And then on top of that, I'm a year younger than most of my class. Oh, you know, that, so man. it just made things even worse, you know? So um, you just yeah. checked all the boxes for like, all right, so this kid's skinny, he's short and he's yeah. younger than us. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect target. Perfect target. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, like that creates so many issues and other things that kind of you carry on for the rest of your life. You kind of have like a chip on your shoulder. I think every Asian American kind of does because, you know, for me, having experience at at like kind of a young age, getting bullied, like most of the time verbally and then sometimes, you know, very violently and physically um, getting bullied. those things stay with you for life. Right. And there's, there's nothing you can really do. I mean, like people don't even try to really empathize with you. Right. Because you, I was the, the story that I have is like, I was like, I I was basically walking home from school and there was like a whole group of kids that decided to like say, Oh, I like this. This kid is like just walking by himself is like easy to bully. Um, and there was some, like, there's some history with, with these kids, a uh, long time ago, like, or not long time, like a month ago or something, they had like tried to steal drinks from me and my friends. Like we had like sodas or something <laughs> and they like stole, try to steal drinks from me and my friends. And then I told them off. I was like, guys, like, that's, that's not nice. Right. Like, don't, don't do that. And they just walked away then. But then I was by myself that other time and they decided, oh, now I want to, now we can take now. advantage and pick on him. And Ugh. basically it was literally in public, right? It was in the middle of the street on the sidewalk and there's like tons of cars passing by and, you know, every, like everybody's like at a stoplight basically. And these like three kids like jump me, like keep, keep, I'm on the floor. They push me down. They're kicking me. They're like punching me. Everybody's like, you know, there's like, 20 cars at the stoplight, nobody's doing anything, right? It's just kind of like, you know, that's the kind of, you know, things that happen and people are, oh, just kids bullying each other, you know, like, I'm not going to stop this. Like, I, I don't understand yeah. people that do that, you know? Yeah, at that point, it's not even a, a racial thing, which I mean, for all we know, it could right. have been a racial thing, but, yeah. you know, bullying is just not not cool at all, it's honestly. Cool. Yeah. And, and if, you, if you see a kid getting taxed by three other kids, come on. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am so sorry you had to go through that, man. 
I've I've never been through like physical bullying, but I have been through a lot of uh, verbal bullying. As you could tell, my last name is you know, thong, T-H-O-N-G, oh, yeah. to the public. Yeah. And then growing up in an elementary school with a bunch of kids that have, you know, the most immature sense of humor, I was an easy target just for my name alone. So yeah. so touching upon that story you had about bullying, uh, I wanted to ask you, you do share a lot of poetry on Instagram about a wide array of things, sometimes ranging from like the importance of mental health to nostalgia for better times. Uh, just like you said earlier, you've even touched upon topics concerning bullying and racial discrimination, especially uh, targeting those of the AAPI community. Uh, that story you told me just now, was that the moment or event in your life that stuck with you and pushed you to write about those kind of issues? Or is there a different event and or moment in your life that was the defining moment that uh, pushed you to write about those kind of issues in your poetry? Mm-hmm. I think there there were multiple events that definitely was one of them. And it's not just childhood bullying, but having experienced just various things, wins and losses, basically, in my life that drove me to write poetry. I think I've been writing poems and just writing for myself for ever since elementary school, even, but Mm -hmm. it didn't really become something that I invested in until high school, where I started, I started joining, I joined basically a speech and debate competitive speech and debate yeah. team in high school that really got me into performing. And as I performed speeches, I also started to incorporate some of my poetry in some of my speeches. But beyond that, I was always just writing for myself until college. And then that's where kind of my interest in performance yeah. from high school combined with my interest in poetry and realizing that that was a great forum to continue performing things and expressing myself where I started going to different slam poetry competitions in college, etc. In high school, I did pretty well in speech. I was the 2010 state champion, California state champion for speech. <laughs> and nice. I finaled in national tournaments all over the country for a while in high school. So that kind of gave me the confidence to say, I have some ability to (laughs) speak my mind. And I think poetry was a great outlet for me to do that as I got to college. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a quick note about that is, I guess going back to like the stereotypes about Asian Americans, a lot of people think we're not well-spoken or we're not exactly like we can't speak loudly or we don't even speak at all like we're just very like quiet we mumble to ourselves we don't actually yeah that's such a good observation it's something that i saw a lot when i was doing competitive speech i got because basically the judges for competitive speech are volunteers parents and then eventually once you get to higher levels of competition and final rounds and things like that it's past you know judges and coaches right but from the parents and from the volunteers that are judging us in the beginning they tend to say things like it, it's just they're, they're not they don't mean any <laughs> harm by it right but when they gave me feedback on my speech they're like wow you did so well and oh i was surprised because i didn't think you would do you'd be such a loud and yeah. energetic speaker as an Asian, right? It's like not not <laughs> common. Is they literally wrote that That's in a my 
feedback, right? That is a backhanded comment if I've ever seen one. <laughs> it's a, a backhanded right? compliment. But they don't they don't mean any harm by it, but they that is something that was in the back of their minds. They're like, oh my god, this this yeah. Asian kid can speak loud. That's surprising to me, right? So it's kind he's of interesting. Been, yeah, he's been speaking three decibels higher than expected. You know, it's <laughs> freaking weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I honestly applaud you for uh, breaking that stereotype for a lot of the pe- those uh, people that have that expectation that we're just very soft-spoken and we don't you know speak loudly for ourselves. But uh, something I wanted to ask you is that Poetry is one of the oldest art forms in terms of self-expression. Yeah. Uh, I want to know why you chose poetry as your outlet for spreading your messages out to the world. I think part of the reason I chose poetry is because as I did speech, it felt like there weren't many other ways in the real world to continue doing speech, competitive speech, like outside of yeah. high school, essentially. And poetry, I just walked by it on my campus one day and there was like, it's called, so I I went to school in LA at UCLA and then they had this event called Word on Wednesdays, which is basically just an open mic for speakers and poets. And when I joined that event, I started realizing, wow, this is exactly, you know, what I want to do. And also at the same time, I... I was always writing poetry just for myself. I've never, never really considered performing it until I saw that open mic event on my campus, essentially. So those types of things, it's kind of like serendipity, right? Just happened. Yeah. And I saw an opportunity and I said, wow, like maybe this is like my outlet now that I don't have competitive speech from high school. I, I can use this as a way to express myself and write in the way that I'd like to write. And even in high school, there were kind of foreshadowings of me doing this eventually, because I had a speech coach who was a published author, and he would always critique us writing our speeches. One time I decided to put some poetry into my speech, kind of like as stanzas that would open different sections of my speech. And when I did that, he his eyes lit up. He was like, first of all, you're a great poet for a published author to tell you at, you know, at 15 or something that you're a great poet is, is it made me feel good. You're, right. You're riding on high at you're that right. point. Exactly. Cloud nine. Yeah. I was on cloud nine and it gave me confidence that maybe this is something I should pick up eventually in the future. And so those little things I think built on top of each other. And as I went to college and saw the opportunity to do it, I, fully immersed myself in it and it became more and more important to me. Yeah. Honestly, I read some of your poems on your, on your Instagram, which we will plug later, but uh, cartoons and Kung flu. I read that one and that one really, that really got me because when you were talking about how you might have to explain this to your, your children and their grandchildren and, and and so on Mm -hmm. uh, that really hit me because I don't know how I would ever be able to explain that you know this whole uh hatred or racial discrimination towards our own kind and our own people and it's tough and i am that the whole ptsd line Mm -hmm. that hit me too because i was thinking man i that's a lot for us to have to go through yeah you know it it will be one of those times we will tell we will have to tell our children and grandchildren and they'll look at us as if we've been through some type of war zone or something, right? Because 
this this event is almost our version of the of World War II from the past. It's like this is <laughs> this is the thing. It's nine eleven and this and COVID <laughs> and all of the yeah. attacks on Asians that happened during COVID. Yeah, and ironically, at the same time, there's a lot of growth of Asian American representation through movies and films and things like that at the same time, it's kind of a weird juxtaposition because you realize how sad it is, all the violence that's happening against Asian Americans and Asians in general, because again, the same concept that we're easy targets to be attacked. And then at the same time, we're doing great. We're starting to do really good, good things in Hollywood and in media and in other areas where we're getting more representation over time. So it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition to, to live through. And we'll definitely be <laughs> telling our kids, yes. back in my day. Back this in my happened. day. Back in my day. Right. Back in my day, Asians had to ask to be superheroes for Marvel just for it to happen. Uh, they had to tweet to Marvel <laughs> and then yeah. have it come back to them five years later. Yes. And everybody laughs at that. That's how Asians did it back in the day. Back in we, my day. We yeah. demanded for our roles. <laughs> Honestly, going off of what you said, when you and I actually spoke on the phone the other day, we talked about how important it was to have proper representation for the members of the AAPI community in media today. And it actually really does. As of this year and last year, it really does seem we've been getting closer to that goal every day. Uh, Do you want to, can you share further thoughts about that, that you have on that with us on the podcast? Yeah, I actually wrote a poem about this a while back when Simu first got the role for Shang-Chi and then mm. and it was really moving to me that we can get our own version of Black Panther basically that that's that's yeah. how I was thinking about it and it's just the the fact that we can be represented it it just it it means a lot because I think kids are very I f- very shallow, I think, when yeah. when we're growing up, right? And I can just imagine the moment that that was announced, I instantly imagined me as a seven-year-old kid back in school, elementary school and then telling all my friends, hey, I'm a superhero now. And, right. and they would no longer, it's not that they would, the other kids would no longer bully me or something, but it would it would help a lot, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like, I'm relevant again and I'm cool again and I'm no longer going to be someone that you just define as one stereotype and outcast me, right? I have yeah. something to latch on to. And that's basically what it gives kids is it gives kids hope. And like, as, as funny as that sounds, it actually makes a huge impact on kids when they're growing up and building those memories for the rest of their lives, right? I still have all my memories as a, from my childhood that really shook me to my core and made me who I am today. If these types of things happened and gave me confidence, it would have probably changed the trajectory of a lot of things for me and made me even, in some ways I could say maybe even happier. Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe the struggle was worth it. Yeah. You never know. I mean, yeah, I agree. Same thing with me in my childhood. I didn't have, if we had Shang-Chi years ago when we were growing up as a kid, because Growing up, I was made fun of because there weren't a lot of Asian superheroes and, and anything sort of like that. Uh, as a kid, I was always compared. I don't know if you ever saw that Disney movie, but it had Brenda Song in it, uh, Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior. Oh, I think yeah, I remember that. that yeah. Brenda Song, great actress, great person, lover. 
that movie caused me to get bullied a lot because anytime I would try to fight back, those kids would say, oh, what are you going to do, Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior? And I'm like, two things. Yeah. One, that was a good movie. It was very fun. <laughs> two, I'm a guy. <laughs> I don't know why you're calling me a girl. As if this is some weird power play you're doing thing here. That sucks. Oh, I, but, I actually, yeah, I'd love to talk about that too. I think, <laughs> I think it's one of those things, assuming that Asian guys are not masculine. That is a stereotype I really despise and definitely is another connection to the point that we're easy targets, right? Especially as Asian guys. It also resulted in less confidence as you grew up when it came to the dating scene and things like that too, because you started (laughs) thinking, one, first of all, you start, you don't have any confidence because society has always told you that you're not a man. And secondly, I think females that may, may have been interested in the past, like they, they might not have been interested after thinking about the stereotype. Right. And there's, there's so many things to be said on, on that front as a millennial having gone through kind of the, the dating process. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, don't, don't even get me started on the whole dating scene, man. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> but, you we'll know, go on for like 10 hours. Yeah. Or something. yeah like it, we would need an entirely new podcast series just to talk about it. Yeah. But you know, I think there's a bunch of other ages YouTuber guys that probably talk about that stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah. for us, we're just speaking about it in terms of the fact that this whole racial discrimination thing has without a doubt affected our lives in many different aspects yeah, and stuff. Exactly. And uh, honestly, if we had, I, I hate to keep, well, actually I don't hate this. I love praising Shang-Chi. If we had Shang-Chi as a kid and uh, my bully saw that movie, I would say, Oh, okay. Well, you're going to call me Shang-Chi. He was a badass. Yeah. What are you, if you're going to compare me to Shang-Chi, I'm taking that as the biggest praise exactly. ever. And I'm walking on cloud nine as a kid, you know, yeah. <laughs> do you have uh, 10 rings that make yeah, you like a super powered being? <laughs> yes. Right. You. Oh my God. Uh, so finally, I've actually heard that you've been asked to participate as a poet in the Chinese New Year Media Project for the 123rd annual Golden Dragon Parade that was supposed to schedule to air on the NBC4 morning show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. also going to be live streamed on its Facebook page, which I heard has over a million followers. I got to ask you, how are you feeling about that? And what kind of poems are you going to be sharing on that live stream? Yeah, I am super excited for that. It was total total serendipity because Alexa Khan, who is a part of, is the one of the board of directors for the Chinese Chamber of Commerce in LA. She reached out to me through Instagram and, you know, some part of me is just, is just like amazed that that happened. And without me having, having reached out to her, she just saw me through a couple of hashtags that I had put my poems in and, and realized that it might fit the program. And it was it was an incredible experience. It was really fast. It took like maybe a, a what I had basically a day and a half to write the poem. Uh, so I was I, to answer your question. I wrote a poem for specifically for this event, and mm-hmm. it's connected to a animation, like a two D animation that the production team is putting together, and also connecting to Asian American history talking about things like the Chinese Exclusion Act, where the origin of the word chink came from, and those mm-hmm. types of things. Like I cover a lot of very key points in Asian American history and reminds us of all the struggles we went through to give us hope that we can overcome the struggles that we have today, right? Especially with the Asian American violence and things of that nature. We've overcome 
a lot of discrimination in the last three centuries, et cetera. And it's, it's, it's something that is truly a part of our history, overcoming the struggle. And we should be proud of who we are and how we've been able to come together in many different ways. And reminding people of that hopefully drives more activism, drives even more representation in media. Those are the types of messages I want to send to the Asian American community and, and empower us. So I'm really excited for the event. It's one of the first, basically the first televised poetry event I've done. So it's it's going to be a really great thing for me. But I also think it's something more importantly, I think the message that is going to be sent is going to be really powerful for everybody to listen to. So yeah. And I also was able to perform with uh, Moral, who's a great singer. She's like been, she, she, she's a singer that was <laughs> invited to sing at the Walt Disney Hall and the Carnegie, uh, I think the Carnegie Hall as well, like all over the place and, and around the world. So I wrote, it was the first time I wrote a little bit of a chorus uh, that would <laughs> fit with the poem. It's, it's going to be pretty cool. It's oh. something that... Most people heading... don't do in spoken word, right? They don't combine music very well with poetry. And I think this might be one of those, one of those times that it'll, it'll work out and, and look really good. So, yeah. Yeah. You're heading into the music scene now, huh? Yeah. Well, well <laughs> yeah. I, I do have a couple of friends who are in, in music and, and does do production. I mean, one of my friends, um, Anish, um, a-N-I-C-H-E, like he and I have always been thinking about the music space and, and supporting our various um, Asian American cultures, him, he being Indian American and me being Chinese American, yeah. right? So, you know, working to, it doesn't matter what type of art, but using art as a way of expression and to represent your ethnicity, I think ends up being a really powerful vehicle for spreading a message yeah yeah that's true i'm excited to to hear what you have to say and i'm excited to see the course you might you're going to be showing on that thing quick question what date and time will this is air on tv and where can other people watch it if not on television i believe it'll be airing on saturday february 12th at 11 a.m and it should be live on nbc's morning show and social media i think it's nbc4 and there's yeah. a couple of other social media outlets or and media outlets that will be carrying it. I think KTLA as well in LA. Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's really exciting. I wish you a lot of luck, man. You're going to do great. You're going to kill it. If you kill it on this episode, I know you're going to kill it on that, that live uh, show. We want to again, thank our guest Howard for joining us today. Yeah, no, um, I, I really appreciate you um, bringing me in and, it was it was a great time, and I think we covered a lot of ground yeah. on how how it feels growing up as an Asian American, and also how that should, in a sense, empower us to do more for our Asian American community. But yeah, uh, really appreciate you having me on. To learn more about Howard, please visit his Instagram. It's at hxthepoet. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, we'd love to hear from you guys. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, as well as following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Asian Voices Radio is produced by Asian Culture and Media Alliance, a nonprofit that empowers our AAPI community with a voice through media arts. 
If you would like to support our program and make a donation, please visit AsianVoicesRadio.com. Thank you guys for listening. I'm Jaws and Thong. Please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices Radio show. Take care until then, everyone.